Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? We dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us. We're celebrating our 10th year on the air in 2014. Thanks for listening. Great show lined up for you this week. John O'Sullivan, the author of the book Changing the Game, The Parent's Guide to Raising Happy, High-Performing Athletes and Giving Youth Sports Back to Our Kids, is going to join me. I have a nine-year-old daughter, so I thought this was an interesting topic. Brian Cheek from Postano is going to join me. Postano is doing incredible work in the social media space. They're also on board as the presenting sponsor of the 2014 Sports PR Summit, which is my event that's going to take place on May 22nd at the MLB Fan Cave in New York City. Very excited to tell you more about Postano today. I'm learning more about them in the last month or so, and they're doing some really great work in the social media space. We're excited to have them uh, display our social media conversations at our event. So Brian Sheik from Postano will join the show. And Mike Golub, the COO of the Portland Timbers. Mike has won the executive of the year in Major League Soccer two of the last three seasons. The Timbers have a long sellout streak going. They've got a line of people wanting season tickets. They have a new naming rights deal. And Portland will play host to the MLS All-Star Game in the summer of uh, this summer in August. So that's what's coming up on the show today. I'm joined by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? Doing wonderful. Love this time of year. Uh, you know, March Madness and all the exciting NFL offseason news, and uh, it's always never a dull moment. I love it. Yeah, March is fun. You've got March Madness. You've got the start of baseball. The NFL draft comes up in April, and then one of my favorite events of the year, the Masters, takes place coming up. So it's like you've got all these things, and then NBA is really starting to get good because it's like, all right, they're really starting to care. Everyone's jockeying for that playoff seating and playoff positioning unless you're tanking, then you're – uh, jockeying for tanking position. But, uh, yeah, it, it's a fun time of year. Let's talk about March Madness. So CBS and Turner is going to once again uh, have all the action for us. I think they do a nice job. They've shuffled the lineup a little bit this year. Clark Clark Kellogg is going to be uh, in the studio. And I think Steve Kerr and Greg Anthony are going to be with Jim Nance calling the action. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think it's great. I think they do a great job of covering it and, uh, you know, all the platforms now and the online streaming and uh, all the different channels they, they use on the cable networks. I think it's a great time. It's fun. I mean, when it, when this kicks off, it's like you've got every TV you can possibly get on trying to find every game. It's, it's quite an enjoyable for sure. A conversation for another day. Uh, some interesting studies have come out recently, but it's shown the declining interest in college basketball and the increased interest in the NBA. And, and one of the things the study talked about is – that because of the one-and-done rule, you don't really get to know the stars in college basketball anymore. They're gone. They're already in the NBA after a year. It's not the days like when we had Christian Leitner and Grant Hill at Duke staying for four years and Danny Manning at Kansas and 
you know, Magic Johnson at Michigan State, even though I know he didn't stay for four years, but uh, it was an interesting study. And I know a lot of people tune in for March Madness, but I kind of get the feeling that more and more people are just tuning in for March Madness. They're not watching nearly as much of the regular season of college basketball. Is that you? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I noticed myself this year. I didn't watch a ton of it in the uh, you know during the season. Um, and you're right. I think it's now it's like okay, March is here. Now I'm tuning in, checking it all out, kind of catching up on the stories that I haven't you know necessarily been following all throughout the year. And uh, I agree. I think it is kind of more of a March push for sure. Well, and if you think about it, in the NBA, you've got young stars: LeBron, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Dwight Howard. And the college basketball landscape, we talk more about the coaches, Roy Williams, John Calipari, Coach K. So it's just different because, again, we don't know the stars in college basketball as well because they're only sticking around for a year and they're using that as a platform to get to the NBA. I know that Adam Silver, the new commissioner of the NBA, has really said that uh, you know one of the things he wants to change is he wants it to be at least two years in college. And uh, we'll see if that gets done. Griggs, NFL free agency underway. Lots of movement in the NFL. It's like a game of musical chairs, some trades. Blaine Gabbert, who was once, you know, heralded as the next great quarterback in the NFL, was traded from Jacksonville to San Francisco. Jonathan Martin, who was part of the bullying scandal in Miami, uh, was traded to the San Francisco 49ers from the Miami Dolphins. We've got big names like Darrell Revis out on the market. Uh, the Broncos seem to be loading up their defense. The biggest surprise to me was DeMarcus Ware, the all-time sacks leader for the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys saved $16 million by letting him go. It's a cruel league. Yeah, and I think Ware's still got a couple years in him, too. So I think that's going to be somebody's going to be benefiting from that pickup for sure. And uh, like you said, Denver, one of my favorite Ducks, Jarris Bird, off to Denver. So excited to see him. I think he's a, he's a great baller in the backfield on the defensive end, so it's always fun. I mean, these teams, when it comes to August and you start seeing preseason, it's like, oh, that guy plays for this guy, this team now. It's kind of fun. But isn't it amazing how many of the decisions are dictated by money, like DeMarcus Ware? The Cowboys want to save $16 million, so they get rid of the guy who's been the face of their defense for a number of years, and it's all related to money. Julius Peppers gets waived by the Chicago Bears. It's all related to money. So pretty interesting, and... You know, the NFL, as many of our listeners know, the contracts aren't guaranteed. You get your signing bonus guaranteed, but the contracts are not guaranteed. So when you're seeing these big deals, hey, so-and-so signed a deal for $54 million. Don't look at that number. Look at what the guaranteed money is. Hey, it's $26 million guaranteed. That's what the player gets guaranteed. But unlike Major League Baseball, unlike the NBA, in the NFL, if you get hurt or you or cross with your coach or management, they can say goodbye to you and not have to pay you the remainder of your contract. Yeah, it's crazy, and it is. I mean, it's all money, and it's got to suck, you know, being these guys that go out and perform on the field, and then, oh, sorry, you're paid too much, time to go. I mean, it, I can't imagine it's frustrating for the players that are uh, dealing with this as well. I'm sure the Yankees wish that A-Rod's contract was an NFL contract, <laughs> and they could just say goodbye to him, sure. but it's not. Speaking of Major League Baseball, spring training underway it's always when we, we start smelling the, the grass and we know the sun's coming out and summer's going to be here before too long. I, I'm very excited for Major League Baseball. Definitely, and it's always fun. I mean, you look down in the desert where they're doing all the spring training, and it's always gorgeous, and uh, I think that kind of gets us over here in the Pacific Northwest where it rains a lot of the time in the spring. We get excited seeing that sunshine and knowing, okay, it's coming. Baseball's coming, and, 
And you're right, the smells of the grass, the, the stuff's blooming, baseball's here, it's a good time. And it's going to be interesting, the season starts this year in Australia. The Diamondbacks and the Dodgers have traveled down under. And, you know, it's interesting, some of the Dodgers players like Zach Greinke have been outspoken about not wanting to travel all that way to play a baseball game. And even Stan Kasten, the president of the Dodgers, had to come out and say, oh, no, we're excited to go to Australia. And, you know, on the other side... The Diamondbacks have actually given up two home games to go to Australia. They've made a broadcast deal with an Australian TV network who will show Diamondbacks games on Sunday. They've seen it as an opportunity to expand their brand into Australia. What I've said, Griggs, is just take the players down to Bondi Beach, let them walk around a little bit, and they'll be very happy that they made the trip to Australia. (laughs) Exactly. There's some benefits traveling out of the country for sure and you know i think we've seen it with uh, david stern the nba expanding to you know across the world and i think baseball is just kind of starting to get hey maybe there's a market out here for it so it'll be interesting to see what kind of ratings they get what kind of acceptance they get there for the majors in the you know not in, on american soil yeah, and it'll be interesting to see the boston red sox defending champs they didn't go out and sign any huge free agents uh, and other teams around them, like the Yankees, who brought in Jacoby Ellsbury and Brian McCann and others, you know, made those big splashes. And what we've seen in baseball, Greg, is that just because you spend a lot of money doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to win a championship. Yeah, I think that's true. I think, and they're banking on their, you know, their lineup that they have right now currently to see if they can do it without the big signage. So, you know, it'll be interesting. Boston's always a solid team, especially at the you know when it gets to October, and um, it will be interesting to see how they go this year without the big signing so far. All right, before we get underway with the show this week, I, I've got to let people know that my daughter Sophia is part of the show this week. So you've got to listen to uh, the commercials. She did a uh, commercial for our friends at the Pixie Project, which is a tremendous animal rescue. And Griggs, thank you for your help on that. But I was so proud of her. She wrote the script and she voiced the spot and then we sent it to you and you made it all nice and pretty as you always do. But uh, I tell you, my nine-year-old is a better writer than some of my college students that I teach. Yeah, it was great. I think the spot was awesome. I listened to it when you sent it over and I'm like, she nailed it. I mean, she covers all the basics. Sounds good. She's excited about it. And uh, yeah, it turned out really good. And a good addition to the show for sure i'm a proud daddy all right coming up next john o'sullivan the author of the book changing the game the parent's guide to raising happy high-performing athletes and giving youth sports back to our kids are we asking our kids to specialize in sports you know when i was growing up griggs i played soccer basketball football tennis golf now it's like if you're playing baseball you got to play baseball you can't play football or basketball and and i think it's a, a bad thing i know you've got a son as well, and I want my daughter to play different sports. I don't want her to specialize in one thing. Yeah, no, I think the more you can spread it out, the better. I mean, my little guy's done the taekwondo. He's done soccer. He's looking at soccer again. And I think the more they can experience and, you know, enjoy, and you know, they're all different seasons and different times of the year too, which is kind of fun to experience that as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all up for it, for sure. All right, John O'Sullivan coming up next. Brian Cheek from Postano after that. And then Mike Golub, the COO of the Portland Timbers. Mike has been Major League Soccer's Executive of the Year 2 of the last three years. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. It's Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I team with nationally known sports writer and broadcaster Rick Buecher. 
former Nike PR senior executive Lee Weinstein and veteran strategic communications executive John Lashway to form media and social media training firm Everything is on the Record. The Everything is on the Record team provides a unique blend of strategic PR and journalism expertise to our clients. We have worked in the trenches in corporate boardrooms with CEOs and company spokespeople. We've also worked in newsrooms alongside editors and reporters. Everything is on the Record uses an innovative and unique approach to media training. Through the use of current media and social media examples tailored specifically for you, we prepare you for how best to relate to the digital media world that exists today. Whether you're meeting with a reporter, sitting at your home computer, or typing on your smartphone, you're on the record. We'll also put you through real-life scenarios where you'd be dealing with a reporter so when you see the real thing, you'll be well-prepared and comfortable. With a goal of enhancing your image, protecting your reputation, and helping you connect with the people who are most important to your brand, we will show you how to develop the skills you need to be successful in a world where everyone has a camera, a recorder, and a desire to make news. For more information on our services and to learn more about our team of communications all-stars, go online to everythingisontherecord.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. You can call us today at 503-701-2215. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is John O'Sullivan. He is the author of a book called Changing the Game, The Parent's Guide to Raising Happy, High-Performing Athletes and Giving Youth Sports Back to Our Kids. John, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. So as my listeners know, I have a nine-year-old daughter, and she plays youth sports. So I was particularly interested in your book. But one of the things you talk about that I wanted to start with, you you talk about the specialization of kids playing a specific sport and having to stick with that sport. Give me your thoughts on that and why that's good or bad. Well, my thoughts are for for the vast, vast majority of athletes, it's not a good thing. And the reason is, number one, how will kids ever know what sport is their favorite unless they're exposed to a lot of them? And unfortunately, because of the cost and the time commitments of many youth sports these days, as soon as uh, a, a child shows a little bit of ability in one, the parents decide or feel pressured sometimes to throw all their eggs in that basket. And so what the latest science shows, and I, and I actually just did a bunch of research on this for, for an article I wrote about uh, 10 days ago, is that what sports specialization at a young age leads to is a much higher rate of injury, anywhere from 70 to 90 percent. Most of it is from overuse injury. is a much higher rate of burnout for kids. And what doing multiple sports develops in athletes is actually a far better overall athleticism, better agility, better balance, better coordination. And there's even some studies that show that that playing multiple sports, when a child goes back to their primary sport, they are more creative, they recognize patterns better, and they actually play better in their primary sport because of their time spent in other sports. So one part of the decision is obviously the parents and the child. What sport do I want to play? How much do I want to play that sport? The other thing I'm seeing a lot of, and you talk about it a little bit in your book, is you've got coaches who basically say, look, you play with me year-round or you're not playing. You're not on the team. What kind of pressure are kids and even parents getting from coaches who want that specialization? They're, they're getting tremendous pressure, and I think that's something that really 
is changes club to club and coach to coach, but there are certainly many places where, let's face it, youth sports has become a business. Schools are losing money, they're cutting athletics, and so most of the sports opportunities in this country now are provided by park and rec programs and private youth sports organizations. And so they're looking for customers. And so what's happened is we've we've creeped and we've extended seasons and then you play summer and then you play fall and then you play against in, in the spring. And, and it's really becoming year-round commitments. And, and it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's very sad because a lot of these, these kids really should be exposed to other sports. And I have a great deal of respect for the coaches who are saying, no, you know, sports is about developing an all-around person and you, you need to play other sports and you also need to have a life outside of sports. I've had parents call me saying, you know, our coach told us that we can't go to our grandmother's 90th birthday party because we have a tournament that weekend. What should we do? And, and I think things like that are just absolutely nuts. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I'm joined on the phone by John O'Sullivan, who is the author of the book Changing the Game. You had a stat that really uh, blew me away. 70% of kids drop out of organized athletics by the age of 13. Why is that? You know, I think there's a, a lot of reasons. Um, number one, that, that middle school age is an age where kids decide that maybe they don't want to make as big a commitment on something. They drop out because, you know, they, they get, they get a job. They, they choose to, you know, they have a boyfriend, they have a girlfriend, but really a lot of it is they're just having bad sports experience and they're having them because of this emphasis on winning from a very young age. And they're also having them because that they're dropping out because of this early specialization where for so many years at, at when I was growing up, played lots of sports, they were fun, and then in those middle school years is when you really said, okay, I'm going to really focus down and I want to maybe go play in college, I want to go beyond that, and what's happening now is those kids are making those decisions at eight years old or nine years old, or rather their parents are making the decisions for them, and so by the time they're 13, they're, they're, they're totally burnt out and they're tired of the pressure and they're tired of the stress and they're tired of not having the life and it's just easier to to back off and, and do their own thing. And, and that's why I think a lot of them are gravitating to sports like skateboarding or snowboarding or skiing, things like that, where maybe their parents didn't do the sport and they don't have a coach and they don't have this pressure to compete day in and day out. Hmm. That's very, very interesting. You know, people talk about all of the positive uh, attributes of sports, teamwork, learning to work with others, uh, taking instruction, would you agree that sports still has uh, a lot of, I guess, teachy, teachable moments that could be offered outside the classroom? I think – I can't think of a better venue for teaching kids what we would call core values and, and character and life lessons and overcoming obstacles and, and, and facing challenges. I, I can't think of a better potential and safer environment to do that. Because in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter if you win the game. It doesn't matter if you succeed on this day because learning is a process. And when we put all our emphasis on outcomes, when we put all our emphasis on, on winning, we take the focus off those valuable lessons. And so we sort of we go two ways. Number one, we, we have 
unfortunately, too many parents now who protect their their children from every little challenge in life. I think the the academic term from them from them now is helicopter parents. Yeah, where every time there's a challenge for their kid, a, a tough coach, or they lost their starting spot, the parents swoop in and and pluck them out of there and find another club or try to get a coach fired or something like that instead of saying, what can we learn from this or you know, what is good about this situation rather than just focusing on, on the negative. So I think, well, what I tell people is this, I've done a lot of speaking on, on the college recruiting process and helping people find the right college. And I tell them, you know, sports is not an investment in a scholarship. The chances of you getting a return on that investment are almost nil. Only about 1% of high school seniors get any sort of aid and most of it is partial. But, you know, so you can't really put a price on your youth sports. But if I told you that by playing sports, your, your son or your daughter could grow in confidence and, and face challenges and, and look forward to challenges and constantly learn to push themselves and, and work with others and, and be humble and, and have great integrity, what is that worth? I, I think that kind of thing is priceless. And if you use sports to, to do that, to pursue that avenue, then you're going to get payoff on your investment. And if your son or your daughter happens to have the genetics and the talent and the coaching and, and the luck to also be an elite athlete, well, it, that's just icing on the cake, in my opinion. The whole winning and losing and how you played the game and did you participate thing, it, it's so different now for me, again, watching my daughter participate in youth sports. You know, when I was growing up, there was a winner and there was a loser and not everyone got a medal at the end of every game and not everyone got an attaboy at the end of every game. You know, sometimes you took a, a loss and it was tough and it built character and, you know, it taught you how to uh, recover and do better next time around. Now it seems like we're so worried about uh, are we going to uh, set our children up for failure if they lose or encounter any kind of adversity. And I guess that would be the biggest problem. I'm not, I'm certainly not one of those hands-on parents that's yelling at the referees and things like that. But I also think there's a value in losing and uh, I guess growing from that experience. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think you're, you're exactly right. I, Certainly, I'm not one of those people who think everyone should get a trophy because the you know the more trophies you give out, the 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 less each one means. And so, um, I I think that keeping score is a good thing. Keeping standings when kids are really young, they don't really serve a purpose. But keeping score in a game is is, a, is is fine. And and kids really know when if they won or they lost. But what I've seen is that five minutes after the game. The kids are over it and they're moving on. It's usually the, the parents and the coaches, the adults, who struggle with the fact that they lost that game and, and, and can't let it go in, until the next one. And so I think that, uh, again, I, I, there, some people say that there's winning and losing, and I say that there's winning and learning. If you win, okay, but if you lose, what did we learn from this so that we can get better? And if I've encountered anything in my life, it's that, the most successful people in sports and business are they're the people who fail the most. They're the people who've missed the most shots or the people who've lost the ball the, mo the most times. But every time they do, they say, what can I learn from this? What can I learn from this? And that's how they eventually succeed. Last thing for you uh, with parents, what advice would you give to parents who have kids that are playing new sports as far as, 
you, know, you see these parents like we were just talking about. They get so involved and they live vicariously through their children. And maybe they weren't the greatest athlete growing up and their child, you know, they want to be uh, living through their child. And it just breaks my heart. I've seen that HBO documentary where the parents just talk terribly to their kids. And uh, I've seen, you know, at, at sporting events that I've gone to, youth in high school, where uh, parents go get in the face of the official or the coach after the game, and it just blows me away. But what advice would you have to parents out there? Because, you know, in my mind, parents are setting the example for the kids. I, I would say two things. Number one, if you ever want your, your child to be a, a, a top athlete, a high-performing athlete, the experience has to belong to them. So you have to give them ownership and, and control over the experience. If you don't do that, if you're the one always pushing them to practice, if you're the one always signing them up for this or, or that, they're, they're never going to get there because it's really hard to get to the next level. And so if you want your, your children to do well, help them find what they, what they love, help them find the sport that they're passionate about, and then support that passion instead of trying to do it for them. And then number two, and, and this was advice that I got about 10 years ago from a man named Bruce Brown who runs an organization called Proactive Coaching. It's the best advice I ever got. It's the, I, I wish I made this up because it's, it's the best thing I ever heard, and I tell it to everyone. And if you just learn to tell your kids, I love watching you play, it is, is the single greatest thing you can do. If you can convince your kids that your love of them is never tied to their sports outcomes, hmm. then they're going to play better. They're going to play with more confidence. They're going to be freer. They're going to enjoy it more, and they're going to take ownership of it. And I, I think learning those words, I love watching you play, is probably the single greatest thing that I learned as a parent and as a coach and I try to tell it to everyone, and I give Bruce great credit for you know, he spent two decades going around the country trying to teach that, and I think it's absolutely crucial. Fantastic advice. John O'Sullivan, the author of the book Changing the Game, The Parent's Guide to Raising Happy, High-Performing Athletes and Giving Youth Sports Back to Our Kids. John, where can people find you online? Uh, my website is changingthegameproject.com, and I blog on there, and I write a lot about youth sports and long-term athletic development and sports specialization, everything we talked about. And then they can get my book at their local bookstore or online, Powell's, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all, all the big ones that just hit bookstores December 1st. Fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me. This is a really interesting topic. I'm sure we could talk for hours on it, but uh, we'll have you on again. Thanks very much, Brian. I appreciate it. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. Hello, my name is Sophia Berger. I want to tell you about the Pixie Project. The Pixie Project matches pets to the right people. The Pixie Project takes pride in finding matches for both people and animals. The Pixie Project also offers low-cost veterinary assistance. My family worked with the Pixie Project to adopt our lovable puppy, Scotty. He's a great addition to our family. So if you get a dog or cat, kitten or puppy, you should go to the Pixie Project. To learn more about the Pixie Project, visit them at www.pixieproject.org. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. My guest is Brian Cheek. He is the director of strategic accounts for Pistano. You can find them on Twitter at Pistano. Brian, how are you? Hey, I'm doing very well, Brian. 
So I know that you've been at South by Southwest uh, for the last uh, week or so. That's always a highly anticipated event. Tell our listeners what you've been doing there. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Um, we've uh, had a little presence in the Beacon Fire Social Good Lounge. Um, up some beautiful planar screens uh, showing off our visualizations of social content, and uh, had a lot of people stopping by and, and looking um, looking at them. Um, in addition, this year at South by right, they started a um, South by kind of sport track, um, which was really awesome. Uh, at the Driscoll Hotel was kind of the headquarters for a lot of those sessions related to sports. And so it was just a great place to, you know, obviously watch um, incredible presentations and, and but also mingle um, with friends and, and obviously new friends. So um, we've been busy. We've had uh, four or five people here um, kind of hitting it from all angles and just wrapping up today. So for people who aren't familiar with Pistano, tell them about what your company does. Sure, absolutely. So we've we've been at it for um, with Pistano a little over three years, and uh, you know you would say Pistano um, is a social media aggregation and visualization platform. So we um, have an enterprise class platform that allows our clients to you know, bring in their official streams of content across all the various social platforms, as well as bring in any related hashtags that are associated to their brand or sports team or what have you. Um, we have a monitoring aspect of it. So kind of think of it as a um, very visual hoot suite or tweet deck, if you will. So you can build categories of content. You may even want to build a category of your competitive teams or your competitive products in the marketplace. Um, and so once you've kind of um, organized your monitoring portion of our platform, um, we then allow you to create um, what we call expressions or pastanos. And those pastanos can be a social hub on a website. Um, so that delivery um, is a very, you know, CSS customizable HTML5 web embed. Um, so our clients can, you know, really create a branded experience online around social content. Um, in addition to that, we have um, a lot of adoption in corporate office displays, um, and then where where I spend a lot of my time in the sports vertical is I'm helping sports teams really capture that fan engagement in arenas and in stadiums. Um, and with Pistano, what we really try to achieve is create that real branded experience. So everything we do for our clients, whether it's in the fashion vertical, retail, hospitality, food and beverage, and sports, is where we will adopt you know what they're really all about. So it's you know, colors are, are obviously given in fonts. Um, but we really work with their creative teams to um, really deliver um, a completely, you know, custom branded experience. And so we start with templates and then we kind of go from there. Um, and so we've seen real, you know, success with our, you know, particularly in the sports vertical where, um, you know, they have a social hub on their website. They're also doing, you know, social content in the arena during the game. Um, and then maybe even throughout the concourse, for instance, you know, um, putting up an Instagram, you know, uh, image or something like that. So really that social connection to the fan hits them everywhere they are. So on the web and in a digital experience, you know, in the arena, in the concourse. And so the fans know that they're really that close to the team and that, and that their actual expressions of content will even be shown, you know, on the website and in the arena. 
you know, one of the things you did recently that I really enjoyed was around the retirement of Cleveland Cavaliers center Zadrunas Ilgowskis. And you really, I thought, did a great job of capturing all the conversation leading up to the retirement ceremony and at the retirement ceremony. It was fantastic. Yeah, and that, you know, you that, that's exactly it, right? So the, the greatest um, implementations or activations include that online element and into the physical arena. And so, you know, leading up to the retirement, the actual evening, which was last Saturday in Quicken Loans Arena, you know, they, they built a microsite where they had a timeline of Z and, um, you know, uh, a place where fans could, you know, tweet and Instagram the hashtag pound all for Z. And we were capturing that in a really cool looking branded, you know, social hub that took, you know, the complete size of the page. Um, and then obviously when they arrived at the arena that evening, you know, hung from the, from the top rafters on either end were these huge, you know, screens that were then showcasing, you know, what the digital team of the Cavs was like the best of. Um, so it's, it's real time. It's great interaction. Um, and so you, you kind of have that whole build up and you're asking fans to participate. And then, you know, then when they arrive in the arena, there it is and they see it on the big screen. And, you know, they obviously are all trying to create, you know, really cool content to actually make it up there. Um, they also, uh, utilized a company called, um, uh, Quint Imagery, Quint Imaging, which did a incredible, you know, video show. Um, actually on the court, right? And um, I would encourage anybody to, you know, go to the Cleveland Cavaliers website and check out the video of the retirement and everything that they did. And this is just kind of that first step, you know, for the Cavs to really um, capturing social in Quicken Loans Arena. So we're we're obviously hoping to develop, a, you know, a further relationship with them. But the amount of content, um, they I think they trended for four hours with those hashtags in Cleveland. Um, and we we captured over 17,000, I think, pieces of content um, in that evening. So their digital team was was taking advantage of our really efficient curation platform, you know, to see all that content coming in, approving, you know, the the, the right content that they wanted to associate to their brand, and then broadcast it, you know, to the web and to the arena. So uh, it was it was an awesome night. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't go there. Um, I was here. We did have somebody on site but um, from all accounts and, and feedback we've got it was it was awesome brian cheek of pistano is my guest we're on sports business radio you can follow them on twitter at pistano now you've worked with the la kings you've worked with callaway golf the university of oregon the portland timbers a number of different sports brands what are you finding that these sports brands are trying to do? It seems to me, you know, they're a trying to engage people on social media more, but then also, like you said, capture those conversations via monitoring and analytics. Yeah, and I think we're you know we're helping them achieve you know a greater connection to the fan, and then and we're giving them a platform and a and a methodology to actually visualize that content, you know, across different. Um, places, the web and in stadium, et cetera. I mean, the other thing that we're doing as well is we're actually helping them um, make money um, with all of this, right? So we have a few mechanisms to do that. Um, we just introduced attribution links um, a few weeks ago into our platform, and that allows our clients to literally look at any um, piece of content that comes into the system and go in and actually create an attribution link um, behind that 
the content. So if I'm visiting a social hub and some fan, you know, posted, hey, check out my new Kings hoodie or my new Kings jersey, um, the digital team at the Kings can actually go into our platform and, and associate an attribution link to that actual post or that picture. So when I'm visiting it on the hub and I click on it, there's a call to action for me to go buy that piece of merchandise, or it could be a five-game ticket package, or it could be, you know, tickets in general. So we're, we're making that connection of a, of a user-generated activity based upon social. Um, and then also in the, in the physical space, right, it, it just it creates a new um, inventory item for either the digital rights holder to, you know, go sell in the case of, you know, Oregon working with IMG, or, um, you know, in the case of the Kings, if you, you know, go to the LA Kings social hub on the web, you'll see it's sponsored by Toyota. And so we're, we're working with our teams and their digital rights holders and partners to, to create these new revenue streams or these new things on the inventory list that then then the sales team can go sell. And, and social is really what people are enjoying. So, you know, to look at if you, any of our, implementations we've done if, if, if you've got a screen of fan content it'll stop people in their tracks and they'll look at it so we have some real creative ways to incorporate sponsorship interstitials into our visualizations that don't look like a um, billboard or advertisement they become part of the actual um, visualization animation um, and so we're we're creating some really cool um, ways in which we're working with our teams to do that. So I, mean, I think you know from so from you know from the first step, it is all about fan engagement, right? Pat Donahue, who we work with at the LA Kings, um, they started the season with a new campaign that we are all kings. And part of that campaign, what he wanted to do was to bring that fan content to the web and to the arena. But if you go to L.A., you'll even see, you know, billboards in the freeway, you know, that are getting people to contribute to the Pound We Are All Kings campaign. And our first game with the Kings, I think there was six or seven hundred pieces of content. And, and now every game, you know, they're upwards of, you know, five to seven thousand um, contributions across Twitter and Instagram. So, you know, if you ask him, I mean, he, you know, he will say that, you know, we are really tightening that connection you know, with our fan and making them, you know, part of our team. And as their hashtag expression says, you know, we are all kings. Are you ever amazed? I, I've got to tell you, you know, by talking to teams and leagues and brands, five or six years ago, they didn't have social media departments. Now all the teams, all the leagues, all the brands are focusing so much on social media. Obviously, like you said, it's a great way to engage fans and customers, if you look ahead five years from now, where do you see this all going? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's going to be interesting, right? I mean, we've seen new platforms, you know, come and, and really, you know, grab hold. We've seen, you know, others attempt and, and not gain, gain critical mass. So who knows? Maybe there's, you know, some, you know, crazy new platform that, you know, everyone is going to, you know, migrate to. But I think really from the from the roots, right, it's, it's any way that, um, you can create that bond and that love of a brand, right? And when a fan loves a brand, they will spend more money on that brand. So if you're creating that opportunity for them you know, to get closer and feel part of that brand, you know, they will spend more, they will go to the arena more, um, and, it, and it just evolves you know, into more dollars for the team and selling tickets. And you know, let's face it, you know, arena sales, in some cases are declining in, in uh, attendance 
because, you know, we can sit on the couch at home and we have a beautiful, you know, whatever, 40, 50 inch HD, you know, TV, HD screen. And, you know, my refrigerator is right there and my restroom is not too far away. So it's a challenge, right, to create new in-game experiences that you can only get at the arena. And so I think what we're going to see with, with sports in particular are extremely innovative ways to do that. And so you've seen like the Kansas City Chiefs where right before the team comes onto the field, they've got a camera just outside that locker room and the fans go crazy right before the game, before the team runs out on the field. Well, I don't get that at home. I don't, I don't have that same camera shot, you know, on my, on my feed, you know, at home on my TV. The same way with, you know, it, it's, think of it almost as like the new kiss cam, right? Everybody loves the kiss cam. Well, now we've got social media to generate all this great content in the arena. So you've got to find ways to utilize it. And so you, you've got to put it throughout, you know, the screens. You know, if you look at AT&T Stadium in Dallas, right, 3,900 screens throughout that facility. Well, you've got you to have real engaging content throughout that stadium. So I think we're going to see more and more exciting, innovative ways to enhance that in-game experience and you know, you're seeing, you know, baseball, you know, you know, trying to create new ways in which if you're, when you're walking around the arena, you know, you get, you know, you get a notification that, hey, you know, hot dogs are on sale at, at this particular concession stand or, you know, go buy this plaque and here, touch this on your mobile device and we'll tell you about what the significance of this plaque is. So it's just creating that, you know, further enhancing that entertainment inside the arena. Just a few minutes left with Brian Cheek of Pastano. You can find them on Twitter at Pastano. I am very pleased that Pastano is going to be the presenting sponsor for the 2014 Sports PR Summit at the MLB Fan Cave on May 22nd. We're thrilled to have you on board to help us capture the hashtag Sports PR Summit conversations. Also, Justin Garrity on your team is going to moderate our social media panel so uh, really pleased to be working with you and Pistano, Brian. Yeah, we're we're really excited. Um, you know, we uh, obviously have the chance to uh, you know be around some you know real innovative thinking uh, folks and and have the opportunity to ask a, a great panel you know some um, intriguing questions. Obviously, the you know MLB fan cave couldn't ask for a better um, you know atmosphere and, and setting for that. So we're you know we. We tend to really focus, you know, on events and, and conferences where, you know, we think we can get a high level of touch point, and I, you know, I think we're going to be able to achieve that there. Um, you know, we're really excited. Justin and I are, um, you know, we can't wait, uh, you know, to get in there and, and participate with, with everybody there. Yeah, you're going to love the venue, and, you know, it's just a great day of conversations with key decision makers from the world of sports and you know, you have people like Jeremy Schaap from ESPN. Uh, we just confirmed uh, Mary Byrne, who's the managing editor for USA Today. John Wartime, the executive editor from Sports Illustrated. So great way to bring the senior PR folks and the media together to discuss the way the communication landscape is uh, forming today. And obviously, social media is such a big part of that conversation. Absolutely. And, you know, with Pistano, I mean, what we, what we see is, you know, when, when folks see what we can do with social media and, and how we can visualize it and effectively create these experiences, you know, in, in the digital world online and in stadiums, you know, their minds start to really think about amazing things, right? So it's, you know, we, we obviously are, are, are a platform and, and we work with everybody to create branded experiences, but, 
until you see your team's fans' content in the context that we show it, um, you just don't quite fully grasp everything that you can do with it. So we're always pushing the envelope on you know new designs, and we're always pushing you know our platform to be the most efficient it can be. We're I think one of the only ones on the market that have a native mobile app for the account, right? So that social team, that digital team can be in the arena, they can be at a community event, and they're moderating content on their mobile devices. So, you know, everything that we do from a feature perspective and a visualization perspective is just to continue to push the envelope and and innovate with our partners. Yeah, I'm blown away by what you guys do. And like you said, the visualizations are out of this world. To learn more about Pistano, go to Pistano.com. Again, you can follow them on Twitter at Pistano. Brian Cheek from Pistano. Thanks so much for taking time to join me on Sports Business Radio. And again, very excited to have Pistano involved with the Sports PR Summit. And we'll look forward to seeing you in New York. Hey, great. My pleasure. Um, you know, thanks for uh, thanks for inviting us today. And we will uh, we'll see you in May. And I'm sure we'll be uh, chatting a lot in the intro. Oh, yes, we will. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. More of the show is coming up. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Mike Golub. He's the Chief Operating Officer for the Portland Timbers. Mike has been the winner of the Doug Hamilton Executive of the Year Award in Major League Soccer two of the past three seasons. He's a graduate of Stanford School of Business. I consider Mike a close friend. Mike, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. Glad to be here, Brian. So I often start with this question. Our guests or our listeners find it interesting to find out the path that our guests have taken to success. How did you get started on the path to working in the sports business? I was uh, a lawyer-to-be as an undergraduate student and and had a bit of an epiphany uh, my senior year that perhaps I could – make a career out of uh, a, a huge passion of mine, sports, and not look back. I uh, did go back and get an MBA, uh, but with always with the intention of staying in sports. And been fortunate enough to work um, on a lot of different sides of the business. Uh, I was with a major league baseball on the TV side prior to graduate school with the NBA league office, helping run their events division for a number of years, then with a number of different teams and different leagues. So I've been very lucky to, to be on a lot of different sides of our wonderful and often crazy business. So do you feel like as COO now of the Timbers that you're using 
all of those past experiences at all of your previous stops to kind of uh, do this job that you're doing now. It's a big job. Yeah, I think as you get older and and, and uh, you like to think you're getting wiser, and uh, with every stop along the way, both successful and less successful, I think you know you're, you're you learn and learn what not to do and what worked, and you. I've been around a lot of really wonderful, smart, um, visionary people along the way, and I like to think that I've been able to sponge off a lot of the the great people I've worked with over the years. I know the people that have worked for you have the utmost of respect for you, and I also know that you're one of the best networkers I know. Your network is is broad and it's legitimate. Give our listeners some advice when you're out there networking, you're trying to meet people. What's the best way to go about that? How have you found success in that area? I don't. I don't know if there's any, you know, sort of grand plan. I, I think it's it's just genuine. Be genuine. Be authentic, and connect with people in a real way. And, and I I enjoy people. I, I enjoy all the friends I've made, including you, uh, along the way. And that's the, you know, I think ultimately that's that's our biggest legacy um, in any business is the people you've. You've met along the way, and the lives you touched, and and the friendships uh, that you have; th- those are the most lasting things. And so, I think if people are genuine and have a genuine interest in others, and a respect and an, an interest and a curiosity about others, then that's a really good basis for authentic relationships. And ultimately, that that's what it's about. Networking is a bit of a pejorative word. It's just building authentic, genuine friendships in the context of business. My guest is Mike Golub. He is the chief operating officer of the Portland Timbers. All right, the Timbers just kick off the regular season this past weekend, and things are gangbusters here in Portland. You've had success on the field, uh, the team off the field. What's your your, uh, season ticket waiting list now? We are approaching 10,000. Actually, our uh, vice president of ticket sales, Joe Cody, did a calculation a few weeks ago and, and determined that if we continue to renew at our at the rates we've been renewing, uh, that the last person on the waiting list today would get tickets in 26 years. <laughs> so, so it begs the question, the people that can't get tickets to the hottest ticket in Portland, how do you keep them engaged in the brand of the Timbers? Well, for the people on the wait, the 9,000 plus people on the waiting list, we have a number of programs uh, for them. They're, they have uh, van- uh, opportunities to to pre-buy individual tickets and other events, they they have some benefits that uh, that come with being on the waiting list. So we try to keep them engaged, and we try to have them um, accrue some benefits and privileges that that um, go with being on the waiting list. As for the rest of the public, um, you know, it's one of the reasons why we invest so heavily in our community relations platform, Stand Together. Uh, we feel like we can touch a lot of lives and have people feel a part of the broader Timbers family through our wide array of, of, of community programs that we're really proud of. And obviously on, on broadcast, we, um, we believe we have among the best um, game broadcast in the league, radio broadcast. And so there are a lot of sports fans for any team that are avid, diehard fans who follow every game but happen to do that over the air and not in stadium. Portland has been known as Soccer City USA for a long time. For people who haven't been to a game at now Providence Park, how would you best describe a Timbers match? It's really interesting, Ryan. You've been to uh, lots of games over the last few years. I've been in this business for a long time, and I've been at the most venerable 
exciting arenas and stadiums around the country, uh, be it Cameron Indoor Stadium or Fenway Park or Madison Square Garden, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I have to tell you, there's, this is one of the most unique sports environments um, in our country, period. It is just an incredibly vibrant uh, stadium with lots of character in a beautiful downtown location, lots of history. The sight lines are amazing. The acoustics are amazing. And then you fill it up with, you know, arguably the best supporters in, in all of soccer, and it's it's magical. And it really is one of the most exciting live game experiences going in sports. Now, John Miller, who's the president of NBC Sports, was here for opening game a year ago. And um, he told the commissioner of MLS, uh, Don Garber, that it's the best uh, live game experience he's ever had. And this is you know, someone who's been to every sporting event under the sun. And so for those of your listeners who have not yet been to a game, get here and experience it for yourself. It really is an amazing and incomparable live experience. One of the things that you've done an incredible job with, and when I say you, I mean you and the Timbers organization, is embracing and working hand-in-hand with your supporters, Timbers Army. Explain that relationship because – you know, some people might look at Timber's Army and go, wow, they're a bunch of rowdies. But in fact, they work closely with you. And you could argue that they add to the experience at the at the venue as much as anyone. Yeah, I could absolutely make the case. And it would, it would, it would probably be true. Um, for, again, for listeners who are not familiar, the Timber's Army are our supporters, uh, our supporter group. And they're in the stadium, 6,000 strong. And it's, and it's 6,000 because that's where we cap it. Uh, and they're on their feet and chanting and dancing and um, creating an environment that, that I described earlier. And um, it's really an amazing um, evolution. They, uh, they are incredibly well-run, well-organized. They are community-minded, civic-minded. The Timbers Army just announced uh, that they've raised over $200,000 to build a soccer field in one of the most needy parts of Portland. We contributed towards that, but it was totally organically driven by a group of Timbers Army's members. And so it's, I describe it as a community within a community, and they are unbelievably loyal, avid, smart um, soccer fans. But more than that, they're, they're, they just love their city and their town and do a lot to give back. And again, I've been around a lot of wonderful fan bases, but I would hold up the Timbers Army and Timbers fans in general against any of them. Joined by Mike Golub, he's the Chief Operating Officer of the Portland Timbers. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Providence Park, no longer Jeldwen Field. How did that all come about where you changed the naming rights? Yeah, you know, for, for those of us in the business, you're doing stadium naming rights deals are some of the more challenging deals you'll do. Uh, Jeldwen, who's a wonderful Oregon-based global windows and doors company, uh, was there with us at the very beginning. And But they came to us about a year ago and said, listen, uh, we've loved the association, but if another partner came along, we would, you know, we would pass the baton. Um, and so we called up our friends at Providence Health and Services in Providence. It's the largest um, private employer in the state of Oregon, and they had been an existing large sponsor of ours. And we began to engage in conversations with them, and they clearly had an interest, and we were able to, able to reach a deal it's a 15-year deal uh, with Providence. And what's wonderful about this deal, it's 
predicated on an array of community-based programs. Providence is one of the most civic-minded, philanthropic, and community-oriented companies in, in the state, period. And a lot of our, our partnership, our sponsorship together is uh, based on um, community programs, both here at the stadium and outside. How risky are naming rights deals for the team? I mean, everyone remembers Enron with the Houston Astros. But if a team or if a sponsor falls on hard times or they have any kind of, uh, I don't know, just controversy around their brand, how risky is that for the team? It's inherent um, in in our business, given the, the ever volatile um economic landscape that we're all in. You've seen it in San Francisco, uh, AT&T and Pac Bell. You've seen it with the Dolphin Stadium. It's been three or four stadiums over the years. You mentioned Enron. Um, it happens. Um, but um, one of the, again, one of the really great positives about our deal with Providence is, and you never say never, but Providence is, has a long, rich history here. They're one of the most stable um, and iconic companies in our state. And so um, we think one of the, the benefits of our partnership with Providence, the risk that you mentioned, is very, very small. I've got to ask you this. The Rose Garden is now the Moda Center. You guys are now Providence Park. I find it interesting that these health organizations are, A, wanting to get more involved through sports and through the community, uh, and B, that you know they see this as an opportunity to let more people know about their brand and what they're doing. I, I actually think it's a great buy, a great value. There are organizations I've never heard of, but then when I hear them in association with the naming rights deal, I, I learn more about them. Uh, do you think it's interesting that you know these two venues in Portland, Moda Center, and and your venue now are both related to to healthcare? It is in, in the context of the. <laughs> Uh, ever-changing uh, health landscape in, in our country, very interesting. I think um, the entities in, in the health industry who will continue to stay ahead will innovate and market and be ahead of the curve, and I think Providence is clearly one of them, and, and I think they see our partnership as a vehicle. No, I think it's great. Let's talk about the MLS All-Star Game coming to Portland this summer. How exciting is that, and how much planning do you need to do uh, in conjunction with Major League Soccer to put that on? Yeah, it's a great thing for the city of Portland. It's the first ever Major League All-Star Game ever hosted uh, in Portland. And uh, with Portland being Soccer City USA, with such an amazing city uh, as a backdrop to this international event, it's going to be a really, really special Week here. The game is on August 6th. Bayern Munich, which is the reigning European Championship and one of the biggest, most powerful clubs in the world, are descending uh, onto the shores of the states and coming to Portland to play the Major League uh, All Star team. Uh, we'll have a series of civic celebrations and public events and all sorts of things for, for people to be involved in, whether they can come to the game or not. And it's going to be one of the largest events ever hosted in our city, broadcast in more than 150 countries around the world, and really just a great celebration of Portland, the sport of soccer, and Major League Soccer specifically. What did you and the Timbers have to do to sell Major League Soccer on the fact that Portland, from hotel rooms to a great venue to great fan supporters, is the perfect venue for the All-Star Game? 
Not a lot. <laughs> I, you know, I think the league really wanted to come here. And in fact, when we were negotiating our franchise agreement five years ago, it was a deal point then, and it wasn't uh, one. It was an easy one to figure out because they wanted to come here. They knew uh, how great a city this was, how great a soccer following there is here, how great a stadium it is. And so it was one that we shook hands on very early on in our franchise discussions. And so we've been planning this for a number of years. How does it work for tickets to the All-Star Game? I know in other sports, a lot of the tickets are uh, associated with corporate sponsors. Can the common fan get a ticket to the All-Star Game, or is it going to be a tough ticket to get? It's going to be a tough ticket. Uh, Like other um, uh, leagues, All-Star Games, um, the league and the visiting teams and national sponsors get a big chunk. We are hopeful that every one of our season ticket holders will get a shot at least of some tickets. They're probably not going to uh, be able to get their usual seat, but we are hopeful that our season ticket holders of 15,500 will at least get a shot at some tickets. Uh, As for the general public, it just unfortunately may not be available, but as I mentioned earlier, there are going to be a lot of events. We're going to have some other games that are uh, uh, to be announced, and public events at Pioneer Courthouse Square. We're looking at a free concert. We're looking at a Major League Soccer All-Star bike ride. We're looking at a special exhibit at the Art Museum. All of these will be announced more officially, but uh, they're going to be um, a series of really fun, interactive public events to celebrate All-Star in addition to the game itself. So uh, it'll be a hard ticket, uh, but there'll be a lot of ways to experience the All-Star game throughout the week. Just a few minutes left with Mike Golub, the Chief Operating Officer of the Portland Timbers. All right, Mike, according to a new study, Major League Soccer has caught Major League Baseball in popularity with kids between the ages of 12 to 17 years old. Does that surprise you? And what do you attribute that to? You know, it's it's in a sport that's been on the rise for, in this country for a number of years. And if you look at the underlying uh, metrics of uh, kids who play the game and love for the for the EPL and viewership of World Cup and all of the sort of the vital signs that make up a healthy league have all been so positive and so on the rise for a number of years. And if you look at not only just what's happening in Portland, but around the league, the the, the success stories in Vancouver and Portland and Salt Lake and Toronto and Philadelphia and the list goes on and on, that this is this has been a, a growth sport and a growth league for a number of years, and I think the report that came out this week that you alluded to is just another evidence that um, Major League Soccer, the avidity of fans, particularly young fans, has been on the rise for a number of years. Well, if you look at MLS, so you just the league just did a new TV deal and did fantastic on the new TV deal, uh, and you look at you know the franchise values as well are all. Going up, if you're in Major League Soccer right now, you've got to be pretty pleased as an owner. Yeah, you know it's 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 a it's a growth stock, uh, as it were. Uh, you know, it's we're only a league that's only 19 years old, and you compare that to the 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 history that other sports have. We're still literally and figuratively a teenager, and uh, where the sport and this league has come. Um, during its first 19 years, and more specifically its last for five or 10 years, has been remarkable. Still a long way to go. It's still a young and developing league. But as you say, Brian, the, the signs for the future, the trajectory that this, this league is on, are all extremely positive. 
Before I let you go, I want to ask you about the Portland Thorns featuring Alex Morgan, Christine Sinclair. They are the defending champions. Uh, boy, I went to some games with my daughter, and what a great atmosphere for Thorns games. And I think you know there are people like my daughter who prefer watching the girls play because she's a girl as opposed to the boys. Uh, talk a little bit about the Thorns and the success you had with them this year. So, yeah, we were, uh, in fact, uh, we had our first training session today, but last year uh, was the inaugural season of the National Women's Soccer League, the NWSL, and we were one of eight teams around the country. Uh, so the Portland Thorns were born last year about this time, and uh, we had a remarkable run both on and off the field. Our team, led by Alex Morgan, Christine Sinclair, and others, um, won the championship, and we uh, – we drew more than 13,000 fans, and we're on track to have 10,000 season tickets this year. And it's been a remarkable success. And our hope, along with our partners in the league, is that this is this time women's soccer will be a, a long-term, viable, sustainable success. How many of the eight teams in the league are owned by MLS franchises? Uh, there are now we added a team this year, uh, so we're now nine teams. And the team that came on this year was the second major league soccer franchise uh, to be affiliated with the NWSL, and that was Houston. So this year, the Houston Dynamos started the Houston Dash, and it's a really encouraging sign, not that it can't work without an affiliation with with a major league soccer team, but we think that more uh, of MLS teams coming on to take a position like we have, and now Houston has, is a really good sign and and a, and a a very promising thing for the future. Everywhere I go in Portland, I see little girls wearing Alex Morgan Portland Thorns jerseys. I'd love to have a cut of just that. You and me both, Brian. <laughs> All right, before I let you go, uh, at Mike Golub on Twitter, I ask you this every time I have you on the radio. When are you going to start tweeting? You're a Twitter voyeur. <laughs> you have great things to say. I want to hear the tweeting. I want to hear your restaurant recommendation. I'm guilty of being a voyeur, yes, but uh, uh, keep pushing me. One of these days, I'll, I'll surprise you. All right, that's Mike Golub, the Chief Operating Officer of the Portland Timbers. Mike, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. Take care. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter, twitter.com slash SBRadio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We're back to wrap up this edition of Sports Business Radio. A lot of thank yous on the show this week. Mike Golub, the COO of the Portland Timbers. 
Brian Cheek from Postano, and John O'Sullivan, who is the author of the book Changing the Game, The Parent's Guide to Raising Happy, High-Performing Athletes and Giving Youth Sports Back to Our Kids. Great book. You should check it out. I want to tell you about an event that some of our friends at the Business of Sports are putting on. Uh, they are putting on hashtag SB Week. 2014, a week of sports business networking events in more than 30 cities around the world, the week of March 24th. It's a great opportunity to come out and network with other sports business professionals that work or live in your area. All backgrounds are welcome from those just starting out in the industry to the veterans. The format of the event is very casual, two to three hours of open networking over drinks with your industry peers, tickets for these events are $5 each with 100% of the money being donated to UNICEF, great organization. To find an event near you, visit thebusinessofsports.com. That's thebusinessofsports.com or search for the hashtag, hashtag SBWeek on Twitter. Also want to remind you about my event in New York. The Sports PR Summit presented by Pistano. If you're a senior PR executive and you'd like to attend our event, go to sportsprsummit.com. You can register. You can find out our complete lineup of guests. It's at the MLB Fan Cave, which is really a one-of-a-kind venue in New York. So happy that Major League Baseball is hosting us once again. ESPN's Jeremy Schapp, Sports Illustrated Executive Editor John Wartime, USA Today Sports Managing Editor Mary Byrne, and Senior League and Team PR Execs, along with Senior PR Executives from Top Sports Brands, will be in attendance for our panel discussions and networking. It's a terrific event. Again, SportsPRSummit.com. I want to thank our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank and Doug Zanger, a podcast reminder. You can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just click on the iTunes icon on the front page of sportsbusinessradio.com or go directly to iTunes. Type in Sports Business Radio. You can have our podcast downloaded to your iTunes every week. We'd love it if you post a review. Also on our website at sportsbusinessradio.com, some of our best interviews of all time. David Stern, Mark Cuban, Jack Nicholas, Sugar Ray Leonard, Steve Nash. Some great interviews on there. I'd invite you to check those out as well. You can follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Hi, it's Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I team with nationally known sports writer and broadcaster Rick Buecher, former Nike PR senior executive Lee Weinstein, and veteran strategic communications executive John Lashway to form media and social media training firm Everything is on the Record. The Everything is on the Record team provides a unique blend of strategic PR and journalism expertise to our clients. We have worked in the trenches in corporate boardrooms with CEOs and company spokespeople. We've also worked in newsrooms alongside editors and reporters. Everything is on the Record uses an innovative and unique approach to media training. Through the use of current media and social media examples tailored specifically for you, we prepare you for how best to relate to the digital media world that exists today. Whether you're meeting with a reporter, sitting at your home computer, or typing on your smartphone, you're on the record. We'll also put you through real-life scenarios where you'd be dealing with a reporter so when you see the real thing, you'll be well-prepared and comfortable. 
with a goal of enhancing your image, protecting your reputation, and helping you connect with the people who are most important to your brand, we will show you how to develop the skills you need to be successful in a world where everyone has a camera, a recorder, and a desire to make news. For more information on our services and to learn more about our team of communications all-stars, go online to everythingisontherecord.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. You can call us today at 503-701-2215.